So the next time someone comes up to you with a really delicious story about the faults of a brother or sister in Christ, how should you respond? Well, let's talk about that on this episode of Wisdom 828, where we're dedicated to stepping out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. Hi, I'm Bob Buchanan. Who are you who are so wise? From the kinds of periodicals that we see at the checkout stand in our grocery stores, it looks like Americans really love gossip. Celebrity magazines are filled with secrets uh, that the reading public uh, seem to be hungry for. When a politician or a prominent church leader is caught up in a sex scandal, readership and television viewership go way up. But the Bible takes a different approach, even a spiritually healthy approach. Christians are called to cover the sins of others, no matter how many we may be aware of. Now, this doesn't mean that the Matthew 18, uh, 15 passage that commands us to go to a sinning saint and lovingly point out the sin is negated. It only means that we are to keep ourselves from broadcasting or spreading the faults of others. And since love covers a multitude of sin, uh, that's the biblical directive, what might that obedience look like? Well, let's examine the nature of gossip. Gossip can be compared to spiritual assassination. It's the publication of the sins of others. Gossip is itself a sin, mentioned several times in both Testaments. When Paul mentions the sin of gossip, it is usually uh, accompanied by other sins, like uh, people without self-control, or uh, people who hate people, greedy people, envious people, or just under the general category of wickedness. So no matter how small a tidbit of gossip may seem to us, uh, for the Bible, it's right up there with some pretty notorious company. To cover sin means exactly what it sounds like, to hide the knowledge of something from public view. Several years ago, our church elders and staff read a book by Jerry Bridges called Respectable Sins. Respectable sins are those that we tolerate in the church. And one of the chapters dealt with the sins of the tongue and uh, gossip figured prominently in that chapter. Now, sadly, Bridges' argument uh, is that while we may loudly denounce adultery or theft, we whisper gossip to one another and we have a tolerant atmosphere about it among the people of God. In the church, we even try to baptize gossip by wrapping it up in a prayer request for someone who's caught up in a fault. And then we fill in the, requ uh, the request with the, the, the grimy details. We don't have to wonder why we're prone to this fault. It's because gossip gives us a sense of moral superiority over the ones that we're gossiping about. And the sad thing is that we wrap it all up in spiritual garb. It's still gossip. It proceeds from pride. An Old Testament story reveals God's heart toward gossip and gossipers. It's from Genesis chapter 9, right after the flood waters subsided and Noah and his family and all of the animals exited the ark. Noah planted a vineyard and in time he made the grapes into wine and he became drunk. He was passed out in his tent without any clothes on. In his drunken exposure, one of his sons, Ham, saw this and he went out immediately to tell this news to his two brothers, Shem and Japheth. 
out of concern for the dignity of their father, these two men grabbed a garment and uh, walking backwards into the tent, they covered Noah's nakedness. They never saw him. They never saw what Ham saw. And for this, they were blessed. However, the Lord cursed Ham, who became the father of the Canaanites. His punishment was that his family line would eventually become the servants to Shem and Japheth, and they did. Ham's sin wasn't accidental. It was a deliberate act. He intentionally set out to see the sight of his drunken father, and he delighted in it. And he delighted in telling his brothers all about his father's disgrace. The commentator Matthew Henry said this, it is common for those who walk in false ways themselves to rejoice at the false steps which they sometimes see in others. But love rejoices not in iniquity, nor can true penitents that are sorry for uh, their own sins rejoice in the sins of others. To delight in the sins of others might seem a delicious morsel, but it always goes down to embitter the soul. Making known the faults of others isn't like God at all, but more like our adversary Satan. He's the accuser of the family members of God's household. So what is like God with regard to our sins? When, when we repent of any sin, God makes several promises about his relationship to us and our forgiven sin. He won't rehearse it over and over in his own mind. He'll not bring it up to us as an accusation against us later. He'll never tell others about it. And the best part of all, he won't let it stand between us or hinder a personal relationship with him. So what does it mean when God covers our sins? Well, here's a few scriptures that you might want to memorize. First, he pitches our sin behind his back uh, like it's so much trash. Isaiah 38:17 says, Behold, it was for my welfare that I had great bitterness, but in love you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction for you have cast all my sins behind your back. That is, he no longer looks at them. Second, he erases them from his memory. Isaiah 43 verse 25 says, I, I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. How God forgets anything can't be explained, but what we can explain is that we should ask for his help not to rehearse these sins over in our own minds. And Micah 7, 19, this is just one of my favorites. It says this, he will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. So God pardons our sins by throwing them into the deepest part of the ocean. And then as somebody said, he posts a no fishing sign. So what should our response be when we hear about the sins of others? We should respond like Shem and Japheth. We should cover the sins of others. First Peter 4, 8 says it. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. So love dictates that our knowledge of the sins of others is not meant for public discussion. Prayer is, but not discussion. We are to conceal the sins of others, especially uh, when they repent, and to pray for them if they haven't. God is their judge not you and me. Covering sin may mean 
even going to a sister and, and showing what action or attitude or speech is sinful and persuade her to turn away from it. This is what Jesus meant by going to your brother or your sister alone, just between the two of you. If you've observed a sin or been the recipient of somebody else's sinful actions, you're the one who's to go and help. You are like a first responder, a rescuer of another Christian. In fact, James 5 says it this way, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders away from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So the next time someone comes to you with a salacious story about uh, it, it exposing the sin of another, uh, you, you, can, uh, you can gain a reputation of being a Christian lover. You can ask your friend who brought you this information if he or she would like to accompany you to that person who you've been gossiping about in order to get the story straight. Or you can ask your friend, do my ears really look like a garbage can? You'll gain the reputation of a person of confidentiality and safety with the lives of others. Well, that's all for now. Thanks for joining me and Steve Diane behind the camera as we combat spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. You be of good cheer.